the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez in the book of Luke. Christ came down and healed many people. He healed the sick of their infirmities, cast out demons, cleansed lepers, caused the blind to see, and raised people from the dead. Most importantly, he forgave men their sins in order to restore a loving relationship between them and the great and amazing God that created them. The religious elites of the day, the scribes, Pharisees, and Sadducees, hated Jesus and wanted to see him dead. One Pharisee invited Jesus over for dinner. A woman with a bad reputation showed up and washed Jesus' feet with her tears, drying them with her hair. The host of the party thought that Jesus should have kicked her out. But Jesus addresses both the host of the party and the woman. We join Pastor Will in Luke chapter 7, verse 44. Now Jesus finally turns to the woman. He doesn't talk to the woman yet because he's still ministering to Simon. He turned to the woman, but he says to Simon, Seest thou this woman? I'm sure everybody's probably thinking, uh, Jesus, <laughs> that's the point. We all see the woman. Have you seen her? <laughs> that's, that's what we're wondering. Have you seen her? And yet that word, see, it means to take notice of or to be truly aware. Certainly everyone there had seen the woman, including Simon. But had they actually taken the time to notice what she actually did? You see, only Jesus had seen a changed life and loving service. Everyone else saw the sinner. And that's a great place to stop because do we really look at people or do we ignore what God's doing because we think we've got them figured out? I have seen more hurt done by people who think they've got other things and other people figured out. When I was a college age, high school age, the Lord called me to be a pastor. Problem was, I wasn't fit to be a pastor at that time. Beverly, when we started dating, she would cringe when someone would come along and want to talk about the Bible. Because if you got it wrong, I was going to get you. That's how I was. If you were a little bit off, man, the jaws were going to clamp down and I was going to get you. And she knew that that meant a fight was going to start because most people don't like having that happen to them. And so they tend to defend themselves or fight back. And so even though I was well-meaning and I was very passionate for truth, I would oftentimes offend people and Beverly would, she would be like, oh, you know. And she would try to encourage me, you know, well, can you can maybe try to be nice? So I knew that that needed to change. The Lord over those years was dealing with me and saying, Will, you, I want to use you and I've got a call in your life, but I can't use you like this right now. So you got to repent. You got to change. So when I went off to Bible college, I remember I, I was getting to know one of my roommates the very first or second day I was there. And, and I said, so what the Lord, what's, the, what's the Lord teaching you lately? And he said, well, to be slow to wrath, slow to speak and quick to listen. And he goes, what's the Lord teaching you? And I said, 
I didn't even know that verse existed, but that's what God's trying to teach me. <laughs> like, where is that? And he showed me in James. And, I, and, you know, God had to break me. And it became a time where I had to realize I can't assume things about people. People, you come in here and I, I don't know what, what you're coming in with. You might be a hypocrite. You might be just somebody who's made a lot of bad decisions and you're struggling trying to figure out what to do. You might just be hurting. You might have had a bad day. If I'm going to wait here to just go off on you, then, you know, the Lord's work's not going to get done. I have to treat every single person that comes in here the way Jesus treats them, by reaching out to minister to them, by seeing them through not just who they are, but who God wants them to be. If you, if you make assumptions about people and you're getting hurt all the time or you're getting offended all the time or you're forming opinions all the time, can I challenge you to stop? You've not learned that from Christ. It has no place in our lives. Truth is this, if Simon, he couldn't see what the Lord had done in this woman's life, what else had he misjudged that God was doing? Had he misjudged Jesus? Oh, yeah. And how about had he, had he misjudged his own spirituality? Oh, yeah. And yet, Simon still doesn't get it. As Jesus asks the question, and he's looking, and he's like, I don't know what you want me to see, Jesus. And so Jesus patiently explains what's really going on here. That Simon, he should not be looking at this woman in a critical way. He should be looking at himself in a critical way. For he says to him, I entered into your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil you did not anoint, but this woman has anointed my feet with perfume, expensive perfume. It's interesting, the force of the language, the original language, is is even more powerful. Jesus, the way he actually phrases this to me, goes, a kiss? (laughs) You didn't give me a kiss when I came in. She hasn't stopped kissing me since she came in. My feet? wash my feet. You didn't so much as give me a drop of water to wash my feet. Didn't even give me my own towel to wash so I could do it myself. And yet she has washed my feet with her tears in her hair. Oil for my head? You didn't even put so much as a little bit of incense. And yet she gave me expensive perfume. Simon, Simon, you need to really take a look at yourself. Simon, you haven't shown me the common courtesy that normally is shown in our culture and you don't even realize it. See, this woman has done for me what you should have done when I arrived. But here's the thing. Just as I didn't write you off because you didn't do that for me, I never wrote her off through all her sin. And now that she's changed and she's repented, I've forgiven her. Everything's good. See, because that's the difference between you and her, Simon. You think there's a big difference between you and her, and you're right. There is a huge difference between the two of you. She's changed, but you haven't. And so he says, Wherefore I say unto you, verse 47, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Semicolon, which means he pauses. Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Jesus, he's reaching out to Simon here. First, he asks him to reconsider his position toward the woman. When he doesn't get that, he points out her hospitality and his rudeness. And then he explains that her devotion is proof of the fact that she's right with God. Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Not yours, Simon, (laughs) which must have come as a shock to him since she'd been so wicked and he's a Pharisee, he's a separated one. And even though her sins were many, which means, the word many there means the upper scale of a range. If you had a top 10 list of sinners in whatever city this was, she was up there. Maybe not the top, but she was definitely near the top. See, Jesus is telling Simon, I know exactly who she is. I know every wicked thing she's ever done. 
And that's an important thing for us to remember, that God does not ignore sin. God never ignores sin. You know, there's this idea I run into sometimes when I talk to people and they say, well, you know, I think I'm going to heaven because God's just good. He's just good. I mean, he's forgiving. They're right. God is good and he is forgiving. But his forgiveness has terms. His goodness is that he sent his son to die for us so that if we would repent and place our trust in him, we could be forgiven. That's God's character. So if we don't repent and we don't put our trust in Christ, we're not going to be forgiven. God doesn't ignore sin, but beautifully, he will forgive it when we repent and place our trust in him. And so wherefore I say unto you, her sins, they may be many. I'm not denying who she was, but they have been forgiven. That's what it says are, but Jesus isn't forgiving her here. The phrase means to have already been completely pardoned, dismissed, or sent away. Sometimes people make the mistake and say, well, she was saved by doing this for Jesus. No, You know, Jesus isn't saying that forgiveness comes from good works or hospitality or kindness. He's contrasting her current spiritual state and his current spiritual state. She has been forgiven. She stands as already being forgiven, Simon. You don't. You don't. Now, when did she repent and place her faith in Christ? I don't know. It might even have been that morning. But Jesus declares that because of that, none of her sins will ever be remembered against her. Her guilt is gone, and she is free. Isn't that awesome? And when you and I repent of our sin and place our trust in Christ, the same is true for us. All of our sins are washed away. Past, present, future, they're all washed away, no matter how numerous they may be. When I started growing as a young Christian, I was probably in high school, pastor, you know, he's up there, and he's saying, and this word in the Greek means this, and this word in the Hebrew, and I'm thinking, when I first hear that, I'm like, is he giving word definitions because none of us understand English? No, and then you find, oh, the Bible wasn't written in English. It was written by people in a different place and spoke a different language. And sometimes things can be expressed, can't be expressed with words, single words in our language in a way that they were in that language. And so some explanation is necessary. And so you think, oh man, well, I need to get in on that. And so you go out and what do you do? Your very first book you buy is a, you know, a serious Christian is Strong's Concordance, Right? You need a Strong's. And now I'm dangerous, man. I'm looking up words and I'm dangerous. But I remember one of the most powerful moments for me as a young Christian, looking up my Strong's. I, had a, I was really spiritual. I had a Vines too. But in Vines, there's a verse in Hebrews 9, verse 12, and it blew me away. Actually, we're gonna read verses 11 and 12. Hebrews 9, 11 says, but Christ being come, a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, the place where Israel worshiped, one not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. In other words, it was his own body. His body was the thing that was better. Neither by the blood of goats or calves, but by his own blood, by the sacrifice of his own body. He entered in once into the holy place, the holy of holies. And what did that accomplish for us? It obtained eternal redemption for us. You know what that phrase eternal redemption means? It means freedom from the guilt and the power of sin forever. Man, when I first read that, I was like, whoa, whoa, like freedom, like complete and total freedom from both the guilt of my sin and the power of that sin. That's what Jesus did for you and me. And when we place our trust in him, that's what happens to us. We're completely set free. Now, when Jesus says that about this woman, he pauses to let it sink in. And I'm pretty sure everybody's thinking, how can this be? She's been so wicked. She's done so many horrible things. But Jesus says, 
This is how you can know it's true, by her changed life. For she says, for she loved much. How do you know her sins have been forgiven already? Not this moment, but had been already forgiven. For she loved much. The word there for, a lot of times we think of because, but that's not what it means here. It's a marker of reason or proof. And so it should be translated in view of the fact. Her sins, which are many, are forgiven in view of this fact, that she loves much, that she has lovingly devoted herself to serving God. See, her loving service to Jesus was proof that she'd experienced God's forgiveness because that's the normal response of someone who's received God's forgiveness. That's the normal, natural response. The normal, natural response is we love him because he first loved us. And so as we experience that love and we receive that forgiveness, now we want to love him back. We want to thank him. We want to show our gratitude. We want to serve him. We want to obey him. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 talks about this normal lifestyle of a Christian, of someone who follows the Lord. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. John says, my little children, so he's talking to believers here, these things I'm writing unto you so you don't sin. I mean, that's the goal, that we obey the Lord, follow the Lord. Praise the Lord. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. He satisfies all God's righteous requirements. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. That's why we can be saved by faith alone. And hereby, verse 3, we do know that we know him, that we have this relationship with him if we keep his commandments. Now, he that says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. If you, if you say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but then you go off and you do whatever you want, and you don't care about that, I will tell you right now, you need to get right with the Lord. You are not right with the Lord. But whosoever keeps his word, in him truly is the love of God perfected. And here's how we know that we are in him. See, an obedient life, that devoted life to the Lord, that life that wants to please God, that's the natural reaction of someone who's had their sins forgiven. Who's showing that kind of reaction more in this story? Who's showing more devotion to Jesus right now? The woman, right? Certainly not Simon. This woman's devotion was evidence of someone who'd been forgiven, whereas Simon's behavior toward Jesus showed that he still needed to experience God's forgiveness. In fact, it showed that he didn't even realize his own need yet. For Jesus goes on to say, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. That word little is on the scale of range of things. It means a very low point. So if we look in the society and we say, who's the biggest sinner? She's kind of near the top. Who's the one that sees himself as a sinner? Simon's kind of way at the bottom. He doesn't see himself that way. And that's an interesting point. Because if you see yourself this way, it says you won't be very devoted to Jesus. On the other hand, if you see yourself this way and you ask the Lord to forgive you, you'll be very devoted to Jesus, which shows that my devotion to God is directly related to my understanding of three important things. Number one, how awful my sin is. If I don't think my sin is that bad, I'm not going to go to the Lord about it. I won't see a need for the cross or for Jesus or to change my life. I'm just going to keep trucking down the road. So if I don't understand how awful my sin is, my devotion to God is going to be weak. Secondly, my need to be forgiven. If I think God's wrong, if he's kind of high strung to want to, want to deal with my sin because, I mean, nobody's perfect, man. What's your problem, God? Well, then if that's how I see it, I won't care about God's demand to repent. I won't care. I'll go on my merry way. I'll try to make my own amends as best as possible. 
Oh, I, I know I'm, I, I've done some things I shouldn't do, so I'll give, ch- give to charity or, you know, I'll donate my time, which is it's great to do those things. And I'm glad you're doing those things. But if you think that's somehow going to make up for all the bad things you've done, you're missing the point. You don't understand your need to be forgiven. The third thing I need to understand if I'm going to be devoted to the Lord is how forgiveness comes. How awful my sin is, my need to be forgiven, and how forgiveness comes. See, if I believe that I can obtain God's forgiveness by doing more good than bad or by participating in charitable things, then I'll be devoted to my own system of do's and don'ts instead of being grateful to Jesus for the cross. Simon had very little devotion to Jesus because he didn't understand how awful his sin was. He didn't see his need to be forgiven, and he didn't understand how forgiveness comes. See, he thought he was righteous. He had a religious system to deal with whatever shortcomings he did have. Now, again, we don't know if Simon ever repented or if this even got through to him. I tend to believe he probably did because I think this is probably part of his story. I don't know, though. But the cool part is, whatever their end result was, Jesus still took the time to try to reach him. And if you're like Simon this morning, or maybe you're there right now, (laughs) Jesus hasn't written you off, but he's calling you to repent today. Up to this point, Jesus, he's just, he's been talking about the woman, but he hasn't said a word to her. I mean, you got to be wondering, you know, if you're the woman, like, what's going on here? I mean, this dude hasn't even said a word to me. But having done all he can for Simon now, he does turn to the woman. Because despite all the good that's happened to her, Simon has a need today as a non-believer, but she has a need as a believer. Look at verse 48. And Jesus said to her, your sins Again, perfect tense. Not are forgiven, but have been forgiven. Your sins remain forgiven. Jesus is already confirming that she's been forgiven. And don't we all need to be reminded of that? You know, we still fail. And then the enemy of our souls, like those onlookers there, you know, tells us, you're not forgiven. You're the scum of the earth. I'm sure there are many of those people sitting there going, what's that whore doing touching Jesus? The enemy takes it a step further. He says, why even bother trying to follow the Lord? See, that's why God's word repeats this truth over and over again, that we're forgiven in Christ. It says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Who is he that condemns? Who is he that can lay any charge to God's elect? The scriptures consistently over and over tell us that we're forgiven when we put our faith in Christ so that we will rest on that firm foundation. Now, when Jesus told her that she'd been forgiven, she already stood forgiven, It created quite the stir, even though nobody spoke. It says, and they that sat down at meet with him, so those who were reclining around the table, the other VIPs who were there, they began to say within themselves, who is this that forgives sins also? He thinks he's some powerful rabbi and he can speak with authority, but now he's forgiven sins? They asked the right question, even though their attitude is kind of critical, because who is this? Is he just a teacher, a rabbi, even a prophet? No. This is God in the flesh. This is someone who can forgive sins and can call Pharisees to repent and can challenge each and every one of us. If the Bible story ended here, it would seem like a right place. Okay, we're done. But it doesn't. See, Jesus wants her to understand how she can know that she's fully forgiven. Not just that she is, but how she can always rest upon that. And see, you and I, we can't walk around saying, well, I know I'm forgiven because I feel forgiven. There's days I don't feel very forgiven. There's days the enemy is heaping condemnation upon me over and over again. Sometimes other people are heaping condemnation on me too. So what do you stand on? Why am I forgiven? And so Jesus explains to the woman, he says to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Not her acts of devotion. Nothing good that she could ever do. 
Her faith had saved her. Jesus had preached a clear message. Repent, you can be made right with God. You can be forgiven and have a relationship with God. All you gotta do is repent and turn to the Lord. I wonder how many times she heard Jesus say it before she dared believe it could apply to her. I know it took me a long time. Even after I'd received Christ, I still couldn't believe it. But Jesus, at some point when she left her old life behind and turned to the Lord for mercy, he wants her to know that God gave it to her. But he also wants her to know how it came. So that when she has a bad day, and maybe she's worried about her future, we don't know why she did what she did that made her an outcast, I don't know. When a day came when she wasn't feeling so forgiven, that when she would know, as long as she was clinging to Jesus, her sins were gone. And then he sends her out. He says, now you go, not in peace, but literally go now into peace. Go into a life that's free from worry, free from guilt, free from shame. And the Lord forgives us. He doesn't make us second-class believers because of our past. Jesus wanted her to know that she was truly free to live an entirely new life. And he wants us to know the same. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. We've been washed. We've been cleansed. I love what the commentator Poole said. He said, Jesus was basically saying, go your way, a blessed and happy woman. And don't be troubled by those who may despise or overlook you because you have been a great sinner, for I don't see you that way anymore. Isn't that awesome? See, Jesus had offered her the hope of forgiveness through his teaching. And when she repented, Jesus gave her that and so much more. He didn't just forgive her. He treated her as if her past never existed. Truly forgiven. Now, that's how the Lord sees us too. Amen? Amen. Now, whether this morning, I know I've gone late, you got to apologize, the long-winded preacher. I've got to forgive the long-winded preacher. You can apologize to me too if you want. Sorry for you being you, Will. Whether you're like Simon this morning or this woman or maybe somewhere in between, the truth is Jesus is reaching out to you. He hasn't written you off because of your past or your present. I mean, there's Simon. He could have reeled him off because of his present. And here we have this woman. He could have written her off because of her past, but he didn't write either of them off. But where you and I go from here and what we do with, as Jesus is trying to reach us this morning, where we go from here determines whether we grow closer to the Lord or not. Simon could have responded to the Lord, and maybe he did, and got closer to her. She needed to receive that forgiveness and and rest in it and go into peace. So you say, well, how do I know what I need to do, Will? Well, which of these two people better describes your devotion to Jesus? Do you neglect or forget to honor the Lord like Simon? Or are you grateful like the woman, desiring to serve him in whatever his current need is, even to the point of mucking up your hair with dirt and grime? If you're more like this lady then you need to know this morning you're forgiven. You need to accept that. You need to latch on to that. And you need to go into peace no matter what your past has been. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. It's the right thing for God to do, to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, if you're a little more like Simon this morning, well, then you need to repent. Now, how do you do that? Well, you need to take a better look at yourself. Take a better look at the Lord. Take a better look at others around you, what Simon needed to do, what the Lord told Simon to do. And if you're having problems seeing that, then ask the Lord to show you what needs to change. Ask him to show you what needs to change. If you've never done that before, you've never decided to take that hard look at yourself, 
at the Lord and at others and, and come to the realization that, Lord, I, I'm messed up. I need, I need to be rescued. I need to be forgiven. If you've never done that this morning, as we pray and close in prayer, the worship team comes up, I'm going to give you an opportunity to make that decision to, to follow the Lord. Because the first step, if you're going to follow Jesus, is coming to the cross and recognizing, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. And the beautiful thing is when you do, the Lord washes away all your sin. So why don't we all stand and let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for this awesome record of what happened in this woman's life and in Simon's life. That you love them so much that you reached out to both of them. To the unbeliever, Lord, to call him to a place of repentance, to call him to take a good hard look at himself, to get right with the Lord. And Lord, if we're here today and you know, we're not right with you, then Lord, we, we want to change that. We want to repent. We don't want to be hard and callous towards you, Lord. We don't want to be those that neglect you or forget you. We want to be those who are devoted to you, Lord, and yielded to you. And so we repent and we ask you to forgive us and to restore us, Lord, to that place where we have joy in our salvation and we are devoted to you. Lord, for those who are here today and maybe saying, Lord, I just don't see how you could forgive what I've done or where I've been. Lord, will you remind them that you did for this woman? And Lord, help us even now as we are saying we believe, Lord. We choose to accept that forgiveness that you offer to us, to walk into peace and the freedom that you've given to us. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.